0: Peak Performance offers a revolutionary ED solution scientifically proven to increase blood flow, sensitivity, and sexual performance, all with no side effects, no surgery, and no pills. Call 1 800 210 8181 today for a free evaluation.
1: And welcome back, everyone. This is the Exxon. I am Rob McConnell, coming to you from our broadcast center and studios in Crystal Beach, Ontario, Canada. If you'd like to send me an email, exxon at TV.com on all social media sites, Radio TV, And to watch the Xone TV channel that is exclusive to Simul TV, visit www.simultv.com. Exonation, Exonation. my guest this hour is John Miller, and uh, John is the author of 13 published books and is mostly known for his pioneering research into the emerging field of Christian ufology, a combination of ancient astronaut theory and end times prophecy. He's been researching this field for over 25 years. John's uh, interest in understanding the paranormal began at a young age. After hearing his grandmother's tale of seeing a UFO about a hundred years ago, his great-grandmother's tale is unique because she was the wife of a minister. The story and many other uh, otherworldly uh, other encounters in his family have fueled John's quest to research the paranormal. Joining me now is John Miller. And John, welcome back to the Exxon.
2: Hello. Uh, thank you for uh, inviting me back on. You're a busy
1: man. You and I were talking off air. And uh, first of all, I'd like to thank you for your service.
2: Ah, thank you very much. Thank you very much.
1: And um y- you've written so many books. What is your favorite genre when you're writing?
2: Uh, I bounce around. Um I I actually like writing uh sci-fi, mm-hmm. comedy, romance type stuff. Uh but uh fantasy also. Uh so that's um a fun genre to, you know, where, where I get to explore some of the things that I research and, mm-hmm. and make them storyline items. But uh, I have fun with the characters. Uh, maybe have, like, a little love story mixed in there. And um, this last one I did is actually on a real person. So it's, it's um, what you could call historical fiction.
1: Tell us a little bit about this latest book you're working on.
2: Um, so... Um, Legend of the—let's um, see, the Book of Wars, Legend of the Prophetess, is based on the Book of Judges, chapters uh, 4 and 5 mm-hmm. in the Bible. It's the Old Testament. So, you know, everybody knows about uh, Joan of Arc, and uh, there have been five movies made about Joan of Arc. So, you know, she's, she's a household name, and most people would be able to know her, but who knows about Deborah uh, from the Old Testament? Uh, she led Israel into battle— She ruled Israel for 40 years. She was both a prophetess and a judge. Uh, So she had the ability to tell the future. She used that to win a battle against impossible odds. Um, She has connections like with Moses in in the narrative. When you read uh, the Bible, you'll see all kinds of connections between her and Moses, Mm kind of like she's a female counterpart to Moses, and uh so completely overshadowed, uh almost an unknown to a lot of people um, but in terms of biblical uh, literature, she stands head and shoulders uh, as a major prophet in the old testament and uh, and also a judge uh, the only female who actually led Israel uh, both militarily and as a judge uh, in the old testament and I think that It's amazing that no one has ever thought to write a story about this person who actually rode into battle with Israel. So that's what this book is about.
1: Well, it sounds very interesting, John, and and this is the first time that I've even heard this story.
2: Yeah. um, And uh, one of the ways I brought my other research into this story is that uh, I made the antagonist, which the Bible says his name is Sisera, and that he that is not a Canaanite name, so he's like an outsider, and it doesn't really describe a lot about him, mm-hmm. so there's just this open backstory of who he could be. Uh, and the Bible is very clear that during this time, around 1250 BC, Canaan, that land of Canaan, was filled with, uh, it had a number of these giants still running around, these, these half-breed, demon-spawn things, uh, and the question arises, where did these things come from since the flood of Noah? Uh, if if all natural generations of people were killed in the flood of Noah then how did we end up with these creatures that were giants a lot of them you know some of them had six fingers on each hand and each toe uh, on each foot uh, and they they were not just large men they were huge um, nine foot King Og's bed was uh, 13 feet long and uh They said that Goliath was about nine feet. Uh, This is not a crippled person with gigantism. This is a a person who's a powerful warrior, seasoned, powerful warrior, and he comes from an entire line of people this big. Are these Um, the Nephilim? Nephilim, yes, uh, also known as Raphaim. Uh, So I write about them in my research Mm because they kind of dovetail into ancient astronaut theory uh, in the sense that they have otherworldly origins. Um, But my understanding of of angels, I see them as the same as aliens. Um, And it's weird, because mostly people, they don't do that. They either see angels as strictly angels Mm -hmm. and affiliated with God and doing God's work. And Aliens are more like biological entities. They're just doing their own thing, and they're not really part of God's creation or in the traditional sense, but I see them as one and the same. I see angels as biological entities of a different kind of flesh, um, a glorified flesh, and maybe they're in different dimensions, but they're still physical dimensions like this earth. Uh, They still do God's work. They still do everything that the Bible says they do, but there's this other part of their definition, they're biological entities as well, uh, and they fly in ships, which the Bible's pretty clear about. So a lot of these things, I'm, I'm kind of puzzled why Christians can't really see that, but um, I do, and I put hints of that uh, in, in this story.
1: You know, it's, it's amazing, because I've often wondered, John, how different the Bible would be written... If it was written today with all the science, physics, everything that we know now, compared to when the Bible was written way back then, how would the Nephilim be described? How would the uh, the angels be described? How different would the birth of Christ been reported?
2: Yeah, uh, there would be differences. That's mm-hmm. that's for sure. I mean, looking at the Nephilim from a genetic Uh, perspective. I mean, we would be able to see that their DNA isn't, it's, it's completely different than ours. Uh, and, uh, but it's similar enough that they were able to interbreed with us. And, uh, so there's, there's elements that are like that. Uh, and, you know, uh, part of my writing is kind of like that. I, I kind of like look at the Bible and I analyze it. And then I say, you know what, here's what this looks like. Um an example of that would be uh where I described the the event uh where ezekiel no it wasn't it was Elijah where an entire army was coming after him, and he saw angels with their chariots in the sky, and his servant that was with him couldn't see it couldn't see them but but Elijah knew that they were there, and so he prayed God would open his eyes and he saw all of these glorious chariots of fire with the angels. Hmm. In the sky, and said, "Those that are with us are greater than those that are, you know, against us." Um, and then uh, the, the, this army of angels that is over their head—they don't go to war in a conventional way. Instead, they place the entire enemy army into a state of hyper-hypnotic suggestibility. And Elijah goes and talks to the main guy in charge, and he says, "The—it's—it's it's almost like reading Star Wars." Really? Because he's like, it's, it's his version of these aren't the droids you're looking for. And that's what I mentioned in my book. Uh, it's kind of funny because he's like, uh, we're, we're not the people you're looking for. And this is not the place where you are supposed to be. And they sort of repeat what he says. Oh, uh, you're not who we're looking for. <laughs> and, and, he, and then he says, let me lead you where you're supposed to be. And he leads them right into the middle of enemy territory where they're completely surrounded. And then they snap out of it. So the angels that were up there in the sky did some kind of mental manipulation to their minds in the way that they were thinking, uh, like a Jedi Knight. Uh, so that's one of the ways that, that I uh, kind of interpret Scripture and then say, here, maybe this is what's happening.
1: Maybe this has all happened before.
2: Maybe it has. Yeah. yeah.
1: John, stand by. You and I have to take our first break. Index nation. John Miller is our special guest this hour, and John and I will be back on the other side discussing more about this fascinating topic, UFOs in the Bible, and so much more. Once again, this is The Exxon. I am Rob McConnell, and if you'd like to contact John Miller, he's got several websites, but go to johnmiller.com, that's J-O-H-N-M-I-L-O-R dot com, and we'll be back because this is the Zone, a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. It's a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. And we're here in the Zone, Monday through Friday from 10 p.m. Eastern until 2 a.m. Eastern on the Talkstar Radio Network, Exxon Broadcast Network, and Mutual Broadcast Network. Don't go away. John Miller's our guest www.johnmiller.com is his website and John when you're looking at UFOs in the Bible what do you think in your opinion is the most most provocative evidence that UFOs were being talked about in the Bible
4: uh
2: wow uh uh i i would have to go with um the fact that angels fly in chariots, and, um, and, it, and the description of the chariot is this um, vehicle for angelic beings um, associated with what is called horses of fire,
4: mm-hmm.
2: um, but they fly. So you, you have to ask the question, what kind of chariot is it? Why would it have wheels if it's flying?
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, and these horses aren't normal. They're Horses of fire, is it possible that what we're looking at here is a mode of transportation? So they could use the word chariot. That's what they had for something that you use as a vehicle. Mm-hmm. Um, but the description is something that's flying and it's on fire. Uh, and the fire is what they're associating with what's giving it power to move.
1: Something like uh, an afterburner. A modern day afterburner. Uh,
2: Yes, and and on top of that, you know, the thing beams down this whirlwind and pulls the mm-hmm. guy up into it, and then off he goes. So it literally abducts him, and that's, you know, Ezekiel, uh, or that was uh, in Second Kings for Elijah, and Ezekiel was also taken up. Uh, he describes the, the encounter uh, slightly different, but his description includes, you know, the bottom of this thing had beryllium, which is a heat-resistant metal they use for rocket nozzles. Uh, the top of this thing is what he decide, He calls it crystal, like you can see through it, uh, like a glass dome on top, or mm-hmm. a transparent-type dome material on top. Uh, he describes the wings as straight, and they don't flap. So if you're looking at a flying saucer from the side, you would see two straight wings going down and two straight wings going up and connecting at the ends, and that's exactly what he describes. Uh, so... There's there's a lot of technology that is described point blank, and then even the fact that angels use uh, vehicles means they're using technology. Even even if you were going to say they're you're, they're using a vehicle that's you know a moded technology mm-hmm. two thousand years ago, it's still the angels aren't just flying here. They're not just appearing. They're coming in a vehicle in the sky. Uh, and this is a recurring theme with other ancient religions and stuff, uh, I think the Bible is more on point because the spiritual aspect, what God wants and what God is achieving in this world, uh, Jesus's identity, all of those core Christian concepts, they're still true. Uh, it's just you you understand it, or I understand it, from this perspective that includes uh, this other definition of what angels really are. Um that's, that's what the biggest difference is, and I think that those, those are two big evidence mm-hmm. items, uh, those two encounters with uh, Elijah and Ezekiel.
1: Let me ask you this. If the angels were being transported in what we consider today as UFOs, they certainly sound as if they were way technically advanced for, their, for the time and period of which the Bible was written. If we assume that they're from another planet or another dimension— who is God, then?
2: God is still exactly who the Bible says he is. God okay. is the one who created these beings. Uh, and when you say another, another planet or another dimension, I think it's both. Uh, I think our entire universe is multidimensional, mm-hmm. that every planet exists within multiple dimensions. That's, that's how the Bible actually describes Earth. Uh, hell in our dimension, we describe it as in the Earth, but actually, probably in another dimension. Earth is smaller, and it, it, it's a fiery planet with with a lot of um, underground caverns and, and whatnot. But it's it's a very unpleasant planet. Uh, but it's like in the center of this Earth that we're in in our dimension, but it's a smaller planet, so it's underneath our feet, technically. Yes. Uh, You know, you could argue it, you know, hey, yeah, it's actually down there, but we know Mm. now with modern science that there's nothing but molten lava down there. However, but in another dimension, it's probably a smaller planet, and that's hell. And directly above our heads is the first heaven, because the Bible actually describes three heavens... Uh, And the first one is associates with the sky. You can look at that right through Strong's Enhanced Lexicon. And um, there's probably like multiple lithospheres. Uh, uh, It's a multi-layered planet like an onion uh, full of dimensions uh, with the higher levels of glory above our heads and the lower levels of glory below our feet. Uh, But they're all layered on top of each other layers of existence, so it's multidimensional and other planets. And that's something that we can kind of see and understand Mm -hmm. through quantum physics nowadays. We're starting to get a glimmer of that. Um, And that's something the Bible's always talked about, you know, hell being in the heart of the Earth. The Bible said that all along. And I think our science is starting to agree with those things.
1: Other examples that I think of within the Bible where we actually see ET intervention or ET action, is Sodom and Gomorrah. Then there's the separating of the the Red Sea as Moses approaches it and crosses it. And that, to me, sounds like a repulsion system, you know, separating the sea.
2: Exactly. They're able to cross Mm -hmm. the Red Sea with the water parted on the left and the right. So there's some kind of anti-gravity force field thing Mm -hmm. that's pushing the water away, but it's not wind because the Israelites were able to walk through the middle of it. Yeah. Uh, and then that's a case where God is with his angels. And the Bible sometimes doesn't always make that clear, explicit distinction, but there are some things that you can look for, like the angel of the Lord is usually the pre-incarnate Christ. Uh, that's what I, who I think he is. Uh, and it does say that there's when God uses his angels and he sends his angels to do things, the Bible sometimes just says that this is God doing it, uh, and it is indirectly. He uses his angels. He assigns them to do lots of things, but God is still there. They're still reporting to him. They're still doing his work. It's not like God doesn't exist. He's sure. very personal, and he's very intimate, and uh, he's very involved with his angels that he created. Uh, and he created them to play a part in his creation, not to you know sit on the sideline while he does everything. And while he micromanages everything. He doesn't. He delegates. And God takes huge risks. He he delegated this entire planet to Adam and Eve, and they blew it. Uh, so uh, that's how God operates, and that's how the Bible always points him out as being. So he's there, definitely, in the center of all creation, and yet it is these beings, these angels, mm-hmm. and yet also you can call them ETs by today's definition. They're there in the midst of it. Yeah. Uh, good ones, and bad ones.
1: When I look at the birth of Christ, when Mary was told by the angel Gabriel that she was going to, you know, bear the son, Jesus, I, I often wonder, John, and I'd like your your opinion on this, if, if the birth of Christ or the impregnation of Mary, since she was a, bir- a virgin, was artificial insemination by the ETs.
2: Well... That Y chromosome came from God himself. Mm-hmm. And so I believe that just as God created Adam and Eve from the dust of the earth, God right. has creative ability. This is something angels can't do. Angels yeah. cannot create something out of nothingness. There are certain words that that are used in Genesis. There's a difference between the word make and create. Um, if When you look at the, at the Hebrew of Genesis, there's very distinct, of distinct words that are used uh that that define god creating certain things that there was nothing like it that ever existed before uh and then god molding new things out of existing pre-existing material so there's different words that he the hebrew language uses for that i don't have them off the top of my tongue uh, at the tip of my tongue but um there are and the creation of man is one of those original words uh so that means angels might have been present when God created humanity, but god it, it was from God's hands that we were created, and it was from God's breath that we were given the breath of life. And I think it was God's creativity that also He spoke, and He has the ability to create things out of nothingness with His voice, just by His Word. Uh, and so when God spoke, He was able to create the seed in mary uh that that was that y chromosome that mary did not have in her dna it was completely separate from her uh, but it was a new creation within her and he was specifically god's son so i don't think uh jesus was the son of an angel i think that he was god's son just exactly as who he said he was
1: all right stand by john 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 i believe in the future there is going
2: to be somebody that comes that does
1: all right, John, I'm sorry, we have to take our break here, so please stand by. Exxon Nation, John Miller is our guest, www.johnmiller.com. I'm Rob McConnell, don't go away.
5: Got you in my arms and it's paradise till the morning light. I see us on the shore beneath the bright sunshine.
1: John Miller is our guest. www.johnmiller.com. John, how have uh, other members of the religious organizations uh, taken to your books when it comes to, you know, UFOs and the Bible?
2: Uh, I I would have to say it's been a lot more accepting uh, than it has been uh, twenty years ago when I you know when I was first writing about this stuff. Um, there's a lot more people writing about it mm-hmm. too. Um, Like I said, I'm a pioneer in the Christian UFOlogy, uh, but uh, there's a lot more people out there now that are seeing the same things that I've been seeing, and uh, they're writing about them, too, and even coming up with new connections that I didn't see before, but they've been there all along. Um, However, by and large, I, I would say that most Christians think that, you know, if there are ETs, they just label them all as demonic, and uh, I think they're off base there. Um, I think that that may lead to... Uh, I think the deception that's coming in the future is going to be a lot a lot more tricky. Uh, and it has a lot more truth to it than they realize. Uh, and that's, that's what's going to be hard to deal with. Can you give me some examples of that? Well, one would go to what you were saying about... Uh, Jesus possibly being the the product of an angel. No, 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 uh, no. I didn't artificially... say no. No,
1: I didn't say product of an angel. I said product of artificial insemination.
2: Okay. Well, artificial insemination is where's that genetic material coming from? Um,
1: well, if he's, he's if he's the, the, the son, son of an of... angel
2: or not, yeah. um, I think that that's a deception that is actually coming in the future. That there's going to be somebody that's going to come in the future. Mm-hmm. The Bible calls this person the false prophet, uh, but in my book, The Strong Delusion, I devote quite a bit of time talking about the false prophet, who may even be more deceptive than the Antichrist. Uh, the false prophet uh, will most likely claim to be Jesus, uh, an otherworldly Jesus, uh, and he will say that we have misidentified him, that he's actually uh, a king from another world, just exactly how he said he was, but... The spin they'll put on it is, you know, an actual uh, king of an angelic kingdom from another planet, and he'll be able to prove it. He'll be able to take people there and see this other society. Uh, that would be very difficult to argue against, and, and a lot of Christians would be scratching their heads thinking, well, maybe, the, maybe he's right. Maybe this is who Jesus really is. And there'll be a lot of truth to it, because the real Jesus is, you know, a king— He is the king of kings and he is on another planet in another dimension, but this is going to be an imposter claiming the same thing, except he's going to be saying that he's not the son of God, which is exactly false. And, uh, Jesus, Jesus did say he was the son of God and he was almost stoned to death on multiple occasions, uh, because they believed what he was saying was blasphemy. Um, and, uh, this Jesus imposter that's coming in the future, I think he's going to be um, playing that card, pretending to be Jesus and saying that we misidentified him.
1: John, where do you get your religious uh, roots from?
2: Well, I, I would say that it would go back to my great-grandparents uh, as the, um, my great-grandfather was uh, an evangelist. Mm-hmm. And uh, even though I, I didn't believe... Uh, ardently. I wasn't a practicing Christian, really. I, I would have said I was a Christian. I didn't live like one until I had my experience. Um, but when I turned 21, I Jesus visited me. I mean, he came to me in a dream, and I woke up completely, you know, shocked. It was him. And he actually came out of my dream, and he was in my bedroom. So when I asked who it was in my dream... I was talking to myself, but Jesus answered the question, and he answered his name. He said Jesus in my ear when I was awake, sitting up in my bed. And that freaked me out because then I felt him in, in my room and uh, the reality of who he is and the fact that he, he's alive, he's real, and he can do things like that. He's not an idea, you know. He He's a real person that actually comes and visits people sometimes and, and literally will blow you away uh, by physically showing up. So he, he did that to me. And uh, I think it was because of my grandmother's prayers um, or my great-grandparents, both of them, praying for me uh, because I was in a bad way uh, when he visited me. But I changed overnight. Do you remember what he looked like? So, in the dream he was invisible, and he was manipulating things and moving things around, so I knew there was somebody there, but I couldn't see him, and so that's why I asked, who was that Mm -hmm. in my dream? Uh, And I heard the name Jesus answered in my ear. Uh, So, um, I didn't see him physically. My great-grandmother did. She said she saw him twice. She was actually cured from um paralysis in the hospital following a stroke. Uh she couldn't move and uh she said Jesus walked into the hospital room and smiled at her, I turned around and walked out and she was healed instantly. Wow. And uh the doctors didn't know what to think. Uh they'd never seen anything like that. So that he's got a uh my family has a heritage of that and uh so that's why I think my grandmother and my grandfather prayed and prayed and prayed and Um, Jesus came and paid me a visit too. So I didn't physically see him. Uh, although I, I have to say it's something that, that, uh, I would really like to see him physically. Um, I've seen him in my dreams and he looks pretty much like what we think he looks like, not blue eyes, uh, brown eyes, but, um, you know, your, your typical little goatee and the mustache and the long hair. I mean, Uh, like the Shroud of Turin, the image on the Shroud of Turin. That's what he looked like in my dreams that I've seen him before.
1: What do you think he thinks about the present state of religion, the church that he started, turned into this mega conglomerate, one of the richest, if not the richest, corporation in the world?
2: Well, there's the church, and then there's the church. Um, uh, What he started... uh, technically isn't a, it's not a building, nor is it an organization. It is people who believe in him and people who like to get together under any kind of forum, whether they're in a, in a Eddie's bakery, uh, that's where my church meets, uh, or if they're in a home group, uh, or something like that, it's just people getting together and he's in the midst of them. That's church. Uh, But what you see with all these denominations and everything, that's more of a human creation. And, uh, you know, the devil gets in there and he messes things up. Uh, But God even works within the confines of a messed up uh, structure. So he he will even do things, amazing things, with crap, (laughs) to put it (laughs) bluntly. So... Yeah, I I know that uh, a lot of what we got going on here in the world today is very much not impressive at all, and that uh, there's a lot of apostasy, and there's a lot of just stuff that is so wrong, Um, but he has mercy on us, and he still works with us where we're at. Uh, So that's pretty much with anybody, you know. Uh, It's with individuals, and it's with entire nations, and it's with organizations and, and all of that.
1: Um, based on your, your extreme knowledge of the Bible, do you believe that we're in the end times as depicted in the book of Revelation?
2: I do. I do. And, you know, but if you'd asked me that question 20 years ago, Mm. I would have said the same thing. Uh, It's just that now we have more. Uh, everything that's in the Bible that said things are going to look like this when I come back, more of those pieces are in place. Uh, I could tell you certain things that are not in place right now. Uh, We don't see the Ark of the Covenant, and that's coming back into the picture in the future. Um, What I describe in the book, The Strong Delusion, is most likely the two factions of Islam, Sunni and Shiite, going to war against each other and one of them coming out on top. And uh, the countries in play there um, are Syria primarily, uh, perhaps Lebanon, and Egypt and all the warring factions throughout the Middle East. And, of course, what just happened, we left $80 billion worth of incredibly powerful, incredibly dangerous military hardware. Uh, We abandoned it and gave it over to terrorists, the Taliban. So uh, this current administration just laid a, a groundwork for the Antichrist to be able to come in and capitalize on an incredible military advantage in that region. All right, the John. Bible talks about all kinds of activity happening there. In that John, region. I've got to so take my final break. Please stand by. Here.
1: XO Nation, John Miller's our guest, www.johnmiller.com. And we'll be back on the other side of this break as we wrap up this hour here in the x with yours truly, Rob McConnell. Don't go away.
5: Bright blessed day, the dogs say good night, and I think to myself, What a wonderful world! The colors of the rainbow, so pretty in the sky, are also on the faces. People going by, I see friends shaking hands, saying how do you do, they really saying I love you, I hear
1: John Miller is our very special guest, and first of all, John, I want to thank you ever so much for joining us tonight. Always a great pleasure talking to you, and again, thank you for your years of service. Thank you very much. John, when we're looking at the book of Revelation, we there's the four horsemen of the apocalypse. How do you interpret that?
2: Wow, uh, I, I wrote an article on my blog uh, about it, and it, it got blocked. <laughs> really? <laughs> uh, censored everywhere I put it. Why? Uh, because uh, I, I I mentioned the pale horse, and uh, I think we might be in the middle of the pale horse, the the unleashing of a plague, which. Uh, I believe this pandemic was created. Right. Uh, I, I hope your show doesn't get censored for me saying that. No, I, uh, I
1: guarantee you like it the, won't. I guarantee you it won't, because here we <laughs> seek the truth, and we don't block it.
2: Well, that's good to hear. Uh, the The gain-of-function research that Dr. Fossey was behind, uh, you can actually see the, the videos of them talking about trying to force people take this new technology Mm -hmm. uh this new vaccine they were actually even predicting this is going to happen this is we got a big surprise that's coming and bill gates was talking about it in his speeches these people were open and actually laying out their game plan to the letter in public forums and now it's all happening and then they want to treat you like you're some kind of wacko conspiracy theorist when you say, "Well, wait a minute, what about this video?" And then they delete the video. Yeah. So you can't tell me that you know there's stuff going on that it's nothing going on. There's definitely stuff going on, uh, and I mentioned that in my article on my blog uh, about the pale horse. Um, that it's about disease and death and plagues and famine and, and a lot of it, I think, is you know instigated by people it's not necessarily natural. Um, and uh, I think that that's maybe where we're at right now. We may be dealing with one of the four horsemen right now.
1: Well, I think if anybody believes that COVID was natural, they need their heads examined, you know, because there's, I think so too, there there's a lot that still has yet to be discovered or discussed about COVID. For example, the way that the investigation into China's participation in COVID was suddenly stopped. Personally, I believe that COVID was a biological weapon that was developed by the Chinese.
2: That would have been right up their alley.
1: Yeah, e- exactly. You know, we can even go to the uh, the bird flu from China, the swine fever Maybe from exactly. China.
2: You know, yep. and... and Well, they've been dinking around with uh, bioweapons for for quite a while. Yeah, You know, they
1: have been, and why anybody would block your blog because you're telling what you perceive to be the truth and what you have based it on is beyond me. I don't think anybody has that right just because you mentioned COVID and it goes against what some people in power don't want the rest of the people to know. I think that is so wrong.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh,
2: the doctor, Dr. Monroe, one of the people behind the invention of mRNA,
4: mm-hmm.
2: um, he got blocked on LinkedIn because he was talking about his reservations. And, you know, here's a guy who totally believes in the science because he was part of the team that, that developed the mRNA vaccination process. And he got blocked on LinkedIn. And so he's scratching his head because he posted peer-reviewed, scientifically peer-reviewed research and was blocked for posting it. And uh, he had to jump through major hoops to get his account re-enabled and then now he has to walk on eggshells. And uh, I'm like, well, when somebody like that's getting blocked by by who are their fact checkers then? When experts that invented processes like this get blocked. I posted a video talking about that and my account and LinkedIn got deleted and I had to go and re- spend a whole week recreating it because I had a lot of contacts that's where I had, my, I had my resume I mean yeah this is the the level yeah. of censorship is off the chart it is it's, and, it's going and way the things too far that they're censoring is mm-hmm. just uh, these aren't crackpots these these are panels of experts doctors you, you got people with PhDs in virology you post an article that they write you get blocked And that's just not right.
1: It isn't right. You know, just like YouTube. YouTube, if you go against something that YouTube believes is wrong, whether you're right or you're wrong, it's gone. They have way too much power, way too much power. And I think it's about time that these mega companies that, for example, like uh, Google with all the different platforms that they owned, they should be stripped. They should be forced to break up. They're getting way too powerful. Way too powerful. And I'll tell you what, John, you send me your blog that got blocked everywhere, and I'll publish it in the X Chronicles, and I'll get it out for you.
2: Okay. You got it. I'll I'll send you. I got like uh, three articles on there right now. One is about the angels with uh, the chariots of fire. Mm -hmm. Why do angels have chariots? Um, And the other one uh, was about uh, the mark of the beast, you know. What could be the mark of the beast? Yeah. And uh, that's where I talk a little bit about the the horseman in that one.
1: Well, you send me what got blogged, and I will guarantee you it will get published and it will get out there.
2: Okay, you bet.
1: What you talked about the mark of the beast. I remember years ago, Pastor Harry used to come on the show, and uh, he once asked me what the mark of the what I thought the mark of the beast was, and I said six six six, and he said no. I said, well, what do you think it is? He said, WWW.
2: Oh, okay. What do you think,
1: in your opinion, what is the Mark of the Beast?
2: Um, well, the Bible, the, the article that I wrote outlines mm-hmm. a number of items that you can be very clear about without deviating from the Bible or coming up with some new idea. Um, it is a Mark. It will be either on the forehead or in the back of the hand. It will be linked with buying and selling. Uh, so there's things that that are in place nowadays yeah. that really very easily go with that
1: microchipping.
2: And uh, yeah, and and part of the part of the reason why I meant what I probably the reason I was blocked for the article is because all of this. Uh, uh, vaccine passport business are talking about mm-hmm. and uh, having to have some kind of identity chip type thing that you could put vaccination status in that's come to the forefront yeah and bill gates has been talking about this for years he, he started talking about this many years ago this is right up his alley and that's why i believe he has invested billions of dollars into pharmaceutical companies because this is the channel the, the avenue in which the best to get people afraid enough in order to do this. So years ago, I thought the mark of the beast would be something that they could get people to go to buy into because there would be economic incentives for it. But now I'm, I'm more of the opinion that it's fear-based, that if you could get enough people afraid of something that they would take this mark out of fear, that would probably have a, a better buy-in factor. Uh, and that's exactly what we're seeing with this virus. Hysteria. Yeah. Uh, you throw another virus in our direction that's worse than the Delta variant. Something that's really, really bad. Because uh, honestly, Delta uh, COVID's actually what ninety eight point nine eight percent survivability rate. That's that's nothing compared to what it could do. Yeah. Uh, th- these people have made this virus. They can make this thing absolutely just devastating. Like put the bubonic plague to shame. Uh, and they could do it intentionally in order to get people afraid enough to force them to vaccinate.
1: Well, you see, I, I had uh, and, a question. there's your mark. You see, I had a question. <laughs> right there. A lot of people believe in chemtrails. And my, my position was, well, wait a minute. If the government wanted everybody to take this vaccine and they didn't want to take it, all they would have to do if chemtrails are real is put the chemicals into the chemtrails and, you know, let the chemtrails fall down. But that never happened, so I guess that kind of squashes the idea about chemtrails. Hey, listen, John, I yes, hate to it does. I hate yeah. to do this, my friend, because I love talking to you. We have to cease so long for tonight, John. I want to thank you so much for your time and for the great work that you do, and please email me those articles, and I will put them in the November issue of the X Chronicles, and I'll make sure that they get out to everybody.
2: Okay, great. Thank you.
1: Good night, John. Take care, my friend.
2: All right. You too. Thank you very much.
1: Bye-bye now. And Exxon Nation, if you'd like to find out more about our guest this hour, John Miller, visit his website, johnmiller.com. I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break at six and a half minutes past the top of the hour as we continue here in the Exxon with yours truly, Rob McConnell, from our broadcast center and studios in Crystal Beach, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away.
5: And I think to myself... What a wonderful world. I see skies of blue and clouds of white. The bright, blessed day, the dark, sacred night.
3: We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast, while the rest of us sleep in.